0: Thank you, Thank you. Oh, Man, I'd like to meet the guy in that video. Um, it's good to have friends that uh, uh, see the best in you. <clears throat> um, that was emotional.) <clears throat> uh, Give me a second to kind of collect my thoughts. Um, before we uh, dive into the scripture, which we want to get into this morning, um, I, I just, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you uh, to this church, this fellowship. Some of you in leadership uh, know that when Lori and I uh, arrived in Pittsburgh, um, we, uh, we were carrying a lot at that time, we were in need of healing uh, personally, and uh, we gained so much strength from the elder board and from uh, the staff here uh, as they warmly accepted us. And it really has been four years of tremendous healing coming out of uh, some difficult situations. And we want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you uh, for your faithfulness. Thanks for hanging in there through COVID. <laughs> Remember COVID? How we thought the world was going to end, and uh, you <laughs> and you hung in there, and and uh, we did church from uh, from our living room for a while, and then went to Pastor Anthony's and did it from his living room for a while, and um, we we developed a... on the first Sunday that we did. So we didn't know what we were doing. We had no idea, but the team had already established the online presence, all those things. And uh, uh, so we came together in our living room, and Jeff and the tech team just did an outstanding job. I mean, when they came in, it was like uh, ABC News was coming in, descending on our house. I mean, there was equipment everywhere. They came in, popped up this table and, and uh, chairs and headphones and just everything technical. And, and the team was there to, to help out the pastoral team and uh, Pastor Eli showed up on the scene and Lori, Lori said, have you had breakfast? And, and I'm like, hey, we got things to do here. Um, and Eli says, no. <laughs> and so uh, Lori made eggs. And every week after that, we had, like, egg casserole. It became, like, you know, the service became secondary. And I know there were weeks where I was teaching and preaching and had eggs dripping from the side of my mouth. And, um, but it has been great. And, you know, that's kind of symbolic of what's happened here. It's, it's um, you know, with all of the outreaches and the services and uh, events that have taken place uh, here and in Fort Scott, um, all of that has flowed out of relationship. All of that's flowed out of relationship. And Lori and I felt like early on in in our ministry, uh, when we were actually still on the campus at Oral Roberts, serving as chaplains there on the chaplain staff, God began to speak to us about relationship. And this phrase just began to bubble up inside of us that has carried us over now decades. And that is that all ministry flows out of relationship. And the healthier the relationships, the healthier the ministry. And that happens especially with leadership, with the elder board, with the pastoral staff, if those relationships are healthy, health will flow out of that. If they're unhealthy, that same principle is maintained, that that ministry becomes unhealthy. And uh, it's one of the reasons that we feel so confident in stepping out at this time, that there is tremendous health on the leadership team. And we believe that's going to flow right out into the church. And I want to say thank you, especially to the elders and to our pastoral staff, our team, uh, for your love and your support and your faithfulness over uh, these years. We, we appreciate you and esteem you so highly. Okay, I put Kleenex in my pocket uh, for such a time as this. <clears throat> So let's get into the Word, shall we, because this is way too emotional. Okay, so I want to look at a a piece of Scripture this morning uh, that has Jesus standing before Pilate, Uh, he's, uh, it's prior to his being crucified, standing before Pilate and having this conversation about who Jesus is. It's a fascinating conversation. We're just going to take a snippet out of it. But Pilate is pressing Jesus, asking him who he is. And he finally asks him, are you a king then? This is in uh, John chapter 18, verse 37. Are you a king then? And Jesus answered and said, you say rightly that I'm a king. And this next sentence is so incredibly powerful. He says, for this cause... I was born. And for this cause, I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus, Jesus was aware of his purpose. He was living. He was living for a, a why. W. H why. And the great decision in life for all of us is, am I going to live for God or am I going to live for something else, anything else? That's really the choice. Today, we, we hear a lot about vision and I'm, I'm all about vision. That, that's a, it's wonderful to have a vision and to have a sense of where God's leading you. But vision without a why, without the why behind it, it's just a set of personal goals. If it doesn't have the why, if it doesn't know the cause, then it really lacks power. But a vision, a, a, a vision has to have a why. For this cause, we do this. Simon Sinek years ago wrote, wrote the book, start, start With Why. And I, I think he was on to something. Because the why, the why will determine Flagg's future. And the why will determine your future. What is it that I'm living for? The pastor was interviewing two men and asked them what their goal in life was. One, both of them young men, and one of them said, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 30. A, that's a vision. The other said, I want to fund the salvation of the planet <laughs> by the time I'm 30. One of them had a vision, but one of them had a why. He had a a cause. He had a a reason for being. And when you look at vision versus why, it's really a fascinating thing. But but you and I have a vision, but a why has us. It captivates us. When Jesus was asked by Pilate, so are you a king then? Jesus didn't hesitate. The scripture doesn't say that he hem-hawed around. He said, no, for this reason... You've said it right, and for this reason, I was born. This is my my why, that I'd communicate truth to the world. What's the the truth? We'll get into it in just a moment. But that I would communicate truth. You see, we have a vision, but the why has us. It consumes us. And we're willing to live for a vision, but we're willing to die for a why. Why? Uh, Federal Express, years ago, it, it, they've, they've kind of wandered from stating this because they've never reached this vision. But their goal was, their vision was to deliver by 10.30 the next morning. Remember that? Remember when they used to say that? They've kind of, kind of wandered away because they realized they couldn't, they couldn't do it. But that's a vision. That's a vision. And you know, a vision's a good thing. But listen, I'm not willing to die. If I go to work for Federal Express tomorrow, I'm not willing to die for a package to show up by 1030. (laughs) But I am willing to die for the why, for the why. We're seeing Christians martyred around the world in our time. They're, They're committed to the why. More Christians martyred in the last century than in all of history put together willing to die for the why. And a vision, a vision leaves us options, but a why leaves us no choice. That's what we see in Jesus when he faces crucifixion. In John chapter 12 and verse 27, Jesus is praying and he says, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? He knows where he's headed. He knows that he's headed for great suffering and crucifixion. He says, now my soul is troubled, Troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. What does he say? For this very reason I came to this hour. Jesus knew his why, and his why didn't leave him with options. Now, he had options. He was praying this on the Mount of Olives, and, and if you've ever been to Israel, you know this, that from the Mount of Olives, it's a short walk, they called it a Sabbath day's journey, but uh, that was a very short walk from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. But it was a shorter walk from the Mount of Olives to the desert. And if Jesus had stepped into the desert, it's what the Bible calls the wilderness, if he had stepped into the desert, no one would have found him. It's where David went to hide from Saul. It's this area of, of all kinds of deserted, sandy, craggy hills. And you can hide from someone just by being on the other side of the hill. And Jesus could have, in 20 minutes, walked that direction as he prayed this prayer. He said, do I say no to this hour? <laughs> no, this is, this is the reason that I came. You see, because a why doesn't leave us with options. So we ask the question, well, what's the why? What, what, why does Flag Church... Exist. What has God called us to do? And I'd submit to you this morning that Flag Church exists for the very same reason that you and I exist, the very same reason that you and I are on the planet, because you and I make up Flag Church. What is the great why? It really comes down to the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So first and foremost, our why is to love God and to love people. We want everything that we do to reflect our love for God, our love for people, and that's what will carry Flag Church forward. We may do a number of things in the future. We may invest in the next generation. We may plant churches, and Pastor Anthony's got all kinds of crazy ideas about that. We, the, we may, <laughs> we may, we may continue to serve people in need, and and I hope that we do. But listen, love for God and love for people has to be the why behind all of those things. That's what it comes out of. That's the source for everything that we do. It's the great commandment. Love God, love people. And also, the why, part of the why is the great commission, which flows out of the great commandment. If you love people, you want them to spend eternity in God's presence. And the great commission, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. If we really love people, we want them to spend eternity in God's presence. It isn't isn't something that that we do simply. It's who we are. It's why we're here. We aren't aren't sharing our faith to prove a point. Boy, there's enough point proving in the world today, right? We're not sharing our faith to prove a point. We're, We're sharing our faith to depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's why we're sharing our faith. And it comes out of a love for God and a love for people. For some people, their commitment to God and to the church and to the Great Commission is part of their lives, but but for true believers, it's central to our lives. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's it's why we exist. It's our why. And you could place us in a palace or you could put us in prison, but we'll still be committed to the why. It's who we are. We're created to love God and to share His love with other people. And so far, I've probably not told you anything that you didn't already know, right? But I think we need to be reminded, and I think we need to be reminded of this for a couple of reasons. One, focusing on the why will get us through difficulties. In Matthew chapter 28, uh, just prior to the Great Commission, it's really interesting that the Scripture kind of sets this context, and it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. He had, He had told them, hey, I'll meet you in Galilee, right? You might remember that. And and after post-resurrection, Jesus said, hey, uh, I'll, I'll meet, tell the disciples, meet me in Galilee. So they had a mountain they decided to meet at. We don't know what the mountain is, but they met at the mountain, and it's interesting. In verse 17, just prior to the Great Commission going to all the world, we read, when they saw him, they worshiped Him, and then there's this little phrase, a little three-word phrase, but some doubted. And I find it so interesting, Jesus' response to the doubt. He doesn't say, hey, guys, stop doubting. It's a little bit like saying, does somebody stop worrying, you know? It just doesn't help. In fact, it makes things worse. If you're worried about something and people say, don't worry. Boy, it just, it's like saying, don't think about elephants, you know, and all of a sudden you think about it. And Jesus doesn't say, stop doubting, because doubt isn't erased by trying to stop it, trying to unthink doubt. That's not how it's erased. But Jesus has the key here. Jesus confronts their doubts and their worries with a why. Jesus recognized that some of them doubted and what he says to them is, hey, you're doubting, you're struggling. Listen, go preach the gospel. And some of us in the room right now may be struggling. You may be facing physical issues. You may have a family member who's facing physical issues. You may be facing relational issues or financial issues or or emotional issues or whatever it might be. You may be facing doubt right now. The solution that Jesus has for us, listen, when we face difficulties, it's to get back to our why. If you're facing a difficulty right now, you may say, I don't know what to do. Yes, you do. You focus on loving God and loving people. You say, well, that won't help. Yes, it will. I promise you. You say, well, how can you make that kind of a promise? Because as we shared with the leadership this morning in our gathering out in the lobby, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You're struggling with doubt. You're struggling with whatever the issue is. Listen to me. Get back to your why. Jesus reminded those that doubted of their why. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples. So focusing on the why will help us through difficulties. Whatever you're facing right now, get back to your why. And secondly, focusing on, and this is specifically for us at Flag Church right now, right here, focusing on the why will keep us from becoming religious. And I'm using religion in the negative sense of the word, there's a positive sense of religion, but when religion lacks relationship, it begins to fail. Religious people focus on the the wrong things, and if if we lose sight of the why, And I have to tell you, I've seen this happen in church after church after church. If we lose sight of the why, if we lose sight of loving God and loving people, if we lose sight of preaching the gospel to all the world, if we lose sight of our why, we become legalistic. We get into all kinds of squabbles and fights. We make up extra rules to keep each other in line. That's what happens to a church that loses It's why we get more concerned about music and preaching styles and whether I like this or don't like that, and we lose concern about people who are in need of hope. We get concerned about our personal preferences, (laughs) and we lose sight of our purpose. And over the years, and we've been doing this for 43 years now, I've discovered there are two kinds of churches. And it's not complicated. There are churches that fight. And there are churches who are helping people to find Jesus in a personal relationship with them. And they're never the same church. There's never a church that does both. Every church that's evangelistic, every church that is, is loving, seeking to love God and love people, not being perfect, but seeking to love God and love people and to share the gospel with those around them, those who are in need of hope, every church that does that is a unified church. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And every church that loses sight of that focus becomes a squabbling church. And God's calling us back to our why? Because the why unites us. And I'm not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, as the Bible says, but I think I can prophesy this that Flag Church will be successful to the degree that it's united about the why. Wow, that's, I think that's a new record for amens. Thank you, Lord. I've been waiting for five amens on one sentence for, man, four stinking years. I'm going to say it again, that felt so good. But it's true. Flag Church will be successful. Insert the word blessed to the degree that we're unified on our why. Ah, yes. It was delayed. Listen, if it's a half second late, it doesn't count. (laughs) I love this church. I love this church, and I love this church's focus on worshiping God and reaching people. Laurie and I appreciate your commitment to missions here and, and around the world. And I believe that Flag is blessed because of that commitment. To love God, to love people, and to share share God's love. So let me encourage you this morning: uh, never, never lose that why. <clears throat> okay, just a personal word, and uh, we'll invite Pastor Anthony and his family and the elder team. But I just, I, I just want to say as. Uh, To wrap up this message, um, I'm so excited that Pastor Anthony and Misty will be leading this church because they're focused on the why. They have, uh, they have faithfully served this church and they have faithfully served Lori and me. Uh, they love you. They love Pittsburgh. They love Fort Scott. <laughs> they love Southeast Kansas. And as I've said, they have their eye on a whole bunch of other communities that it's like every week, Anthony walks into my office and says, do you think we could plant a church in such and such town? They love Southeast Kansas. They're committed to the why of loving Jesus and loving others. And uh, Lori and I are so excited for the future of this church. When we say the best is yet to come, it is more true today than it's ever been. The best is yet to come. So excited for it. So I want to invite Pastor Anthony and his family and our elders who are in the place and uh, Lori, would you come and join us? I want to move to uh, the next portion of the service. And after that, we, uh, we're installing Pastor Anthony at this time. And uh, once that's done, I have lost complete control of the service. So just so that you know, I don't know, I don't know what happens after this. But uh, yeah, come... Pastor Anthony and family, come on down. Come down.